0: people around here is treated like a god. I mean, how can you ever find out what he could really do? I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old.
1: You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god, just for a few moments.
0: The Keeping the Nostalgia Live show is sponsored by The Dunk Collection. The Dunk Collection connects sports-minded individuals to basketball-inspired home products Meticulously designed to help combat life's most mundane chores. Dirty clothes on the floor? Put a dirty dunk on the door. The dirty dunk is the original over-the-door basketball hoop laundry hamper designed to make laundry a slam dunk. Do you have a messy office? Try a document dunk. The original trash can basketball stand designed for those who compete in the corporate arena. You're just one shot away from turning your cubicle into the corner office you deserve. Bathtime blues? blues? Make bath time fun with the Scrub-a-Dunk, the original basketball hoop for baby ballers. Attached to the tub and Scrub-a-Dub-Dub, the Dunk Collection, making boring chores a slam dunk.
1: Sorry for coaching.
0: So, who was who? Who gave you the? Um, uh, uh, when were you first introduced to the game of basketball, and uh, how did how, how did you fall in love with it as a little kid?
1: Well, I'm all of Garrett. Basketball was a big thing. I lived right beside the four older boys, the Getz boys, and they played basketball on varsity level from, uh, 51 through 60. And they had a hoop out behind their house that they would let me watch. Every once in a while, let me shoot because they always had games there. And then uh, when I got a little older, clips in. Let me play. Let me play. And they say, "Okay, you take it out, throw it in, stand right over here." <laughs> so that's how I learned to play basketball—just watching the big boys and let to get in there. For, it all over.
0: for all the listeners out there, where is Garrett, Indiana, in, um, in 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 the realm of Indianapolis? Like from Indianapolis, where is Garrett?
1: Garrett is about twenty miles straight north. Of Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's only about thirty miles in up to Angola, and then you get into Michigan on the
0: northeast side. And growing up, States. and growing up in Garrett, uh, uh, brothers and sisters, and was your dad athletic?
1: <clears throat> Gary's a rare, was a railroad town. My dad was a, a fireman on the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad. Uh he played baseball in high school but uh no, he was not a basketball player but he encouraged me to I had an older sister Judy who was three years older than I was and then I had two younger sisters who were 11 and 13 years younger so I was off to college when they were you know like 6 and 5 so I was kind of like the big old brother that they'd heard about but didn't know much about so we're much closer now
0: and what was the tradition of Garrett basketball before you got there or when you know and, and, and also tell us about the first time that you actually went to a game at Garrett
1: well we started well i trying to figure out which one to say first started going to games when I was in uh, elementary school our elementary school was built on the same square block as the basketball gym. So it was always neat to go over there and peek in the windows and hope to play there someday. And then started going pretty steady then in about the fourth, fifth grade because a new kid moved to town. And we became fast friends. And just so happened his dad was the new high school principal. And the high school principal would go to all the way games, you know, as a chaperone supervisor. And so he, he and I had to with him. So I started going to games home and away, pretty regular from about fifth grade on. So it, it was fun. The basketball was pretty good. And uh, we had a co- coach named Tom Dean. And it was my first experience or learning about coaches getting fired. I didn't even understand what was going on. But he got fired and they hired the coach that I had, Ward Smith. He stayed 12 years had 11 winning seasons and won you know, half a dozen sectionals and two or three regionals and was very successful and then he got fired he was uh, undefeated in 1966 with Chuck Davis We got beat by Willie Long in the, in the uh, regional down at Orleans by a couple points at Fort Wayne South and Ward got fired now not what kind of town in Indiana fires a basketball coach when it goes undefeated? <clears throat> Ours did. <laughs> so, typical Indiana town, I think.
0: And, and what was the gym like? And is the gym still there? And tell us a little bit about the atmosphere of games, you know, even while you were there.
1: Well, the gym is no longer there, sadly, as in many small towns. It, it just was outdated. And cost too much to repair, and you know, people didn't want to do it, build a brand new gym, which is beautiful, and a new high school. So the things I remember are gone, but not my memories. And the gym seated about, oh, 1,000 to 1,500. It seemed like the biggest place in the world when you were in the fourth grade. And I remember when my buddy came, John Flores is his name, still my bud. We were in fifth grade uh, geography class and getting ready for a little quiz. And the teacher said, does anybody have any questions? And John and I raised our hand and I said, well, can we take this later? She said, well, why? I said, because John and I are going over to the section, which was just out the window across the playground. She said, well, you have to have a ticket. He and I stood up and showed her our tickets, and she said, oh, how'd you get those tickets? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we wanted to say, well, duh, John's dad's a high school principal. <laughs> so we were excused, and away we went. I got over there and got in line. This is so funny. Got in line, got pushed around and shoved by all the wild Idiots going to games, and we ran in the gym, got in there, one of the first ones in, and ran clear up to the top and sat down. <laughs> that was our goal—to sit at the top row and watch the game. The top row seemed like forever, but I have a picture of the gym, and there's only t- there was ten or ten or eleven rows in the gym. So, but it was up there, and it was fun. That was back in the days when you had sectionals on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and you know there were 15 16 teams and everybody was there and in between the local churches were right around the high school and the gymnasium they would have uh lunches and suppers you know the church ladies would fix it and so it, it was everything a kid could want and so i i was i was hooked what was i
0: mean i know what was it all about the your uh, Garrett High School when you were growing up or did you kind of step back and take back what was really going on in the whole state of Indiana with high school basketball?
1: Well, I'd say early on it was just Garrett stuff and then, you know, we listened to the radio and heard Mylan win and knew that was a big deal and hoped someday that maybe we could be the next Mylan, and then in the late fifties, consolidation started going around, and some of the schools that were in our sectional, you know, were now being called other names, and that was hard to figure out. And, um, yeah, that's about all I know about that one. Keep going for the next one. <laughs> now, I, I know this is going to be
0: a dumb question, but um, railroaders, I guess, because of, uh, of so much. Uh, of that industry in that area is is that why Garrett take it took on that uh, uh, that name
1: oh yes uh, the actual name is John Garrett who was the president of the B&O and so when they started this little dinky town there at the end of the line the line would run from word Ohio to Chicago and it's a division point point. meant they had shops there um, uh, just By shops, I mean railroad machine shops with fixed cars and engines. There's a division point where crews lived in the town and went west of Chicago or east of Willard. And so one time they had like 2,000 employees, which is a lot for a little dinky town of 5,000.
0: Were you? Were you was basketball your first love, or did you enjoy football? Did you enjoy baseball? Did you play any of those sports?
1: Well, we didn't have baseball in high school while well, I was in high school. We, didn't, we just had, you know, the old three sports, football, basketball, and track. I played football in junior high, or I tried, and uh, the funny thing was we had a seventh and eighth grade junior high team, and we didn't have any games. We just practiced. And the, at the end of the season, we <laughs> would play the freshman in our game, and uh, as a seventh grader, you, unless you were a big, big horse or a real stud, you didn't get to play. In the eighth grade, you got to play, except for some reason, I must have been so bad the coach forgot to put me in or something. <laughs> and I, I got, after the game, he said, Well, thanks for coming out. I said, Well, you didn't get to, you didn't play me. Oh, I didn't? Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> so my football career kind of ended then. And when I was going to go out, maybe for a, as a uh, freshman, I had a. went in for the group um, physical examination, which is another great story. You know, forty thousand guys in a row there, and the doctor said, well, "You have a, a hernia." I said, "Okay," didn't know what the hell a hernia was. Went home. My mom said, "How was it?" I said, "Well, I've got a right inguinal hernia." And she said, "Oh my god! I thought I was going to die." Then. <laughs> so anyway, I had that by that time. Football was over, and I was playing freshman basketball. So that was my football career. Did
0: did you did you did you, did you fought, like if if I lived in Garrett, Indiana, about the same time you did? You know, uh, was I a Cubs fan, a White Sox fan, a Cleveland Indians fan?
1: <clears throat> I, most people. I can remember we're White Sox fans. I myself was a Tiger fan because I had an old radio that my dad had inherited from one of his relatives and he cobbed it together and I could listen to W J R upstairs in my room, my bedroom, and get the Tigers. So I became a Tigers fan and I'm still a Tiger fan. Although he would take me to White Sox games because as a railroader he and his family had a, a pass to ride passenger trains you know, on his, on his division from Chicago to Willard to Garrett. So he would take me up there and he'd go to White Sox game. I remember one time I had my 12 with me and we're sitting out in the left field. You know, half a dozen rows back behind the fence and right in front of me was Arrestus Mitty Minoso. Oh, wow. He was talking to everybody and I thought, oh, this is great. And the Yankees were up and some guy hits a you know, fly ball, bases were loaded, hit the fly ball out there and boy, I stand up and I'm yelling to my dad, I got it, I got it, I got it. Well, my my depth perception wasn't very good. He <laughs> went in the upper deck for a grand slam. <laughs> <coughs> so, so I, had, I had a fun childhood. Um, so,
0: uh, you, you know, your, your freshman year at Garrett High School, uh, uh, were you pretty confident that you were going to make the basketball team? What what kind of player were you at that young age?
1: You know, I was confident I would make it, but I, I was about as good as anybody else. To backtrack one thing, I got to start a few games in junior high because uh, we were sitting in the locker room one day and getting ready to start the game down in some little dinky school we dressed in the basement of the gym and it was dark and dank and you know how those old gyms were. And the coach says, okay, and he's walking around. He's our history teacher. And I loved history. I became a history teacher and a coach. And it would be because of this guy. I don't know. He said, uh, I'm going to switch up the lineups today. And he said, uh, which one of you guys which one of your groups of parents drove today? put my hand up. I said, my mom drove. Okay, Luis, you can start. (laughs) So that was my first start. So I told my mom, drive every other game now. Come on, mom, drive the car. Take me to the games. (laughs) But then uh, I started some as a freshman. Was on the JV team. And was like sixth or seventh guy. And one of my buddies got his pants torn, ripped his pants and I went in for him and then I started the rest of my JV year and then I was a sub on the varsity as a junior and then started all my senior year. So I played, I was happy with my career. Well, now your senior year, you guys had a pretty good
0: basketball team, right? We did. We won
1: our first 10 games then we got knocked off by this nothing team called Bluffton, Indiana. They had a a guy that liked to shoot named Bob Perkheiser. You ever heard of him? Yes, I have. He came to Purdue and played played for three years. So, yeah, he was pretty good. And then they also had a, a six nine sophomore center named Brad Bounds. We ended up playing for Adolf Rupp at Kentucky. <clears throat> and uh, they were a runner-up, I think, to, uh, you know, when, uh, oh, the team from Texas beat him.
0: Texas Western.
1: First, up, yeah, Texas Western. So uh, we lost, it. we lost then. We lost a couple more games, and we were 16 and four in the season. One the, won the sectional. Got beaten the regional by Burn, which was a good team. They had several good years in a row. And then it was over, just like that. Boom. It's a sudden death, isn't it? Uh, correct, but
0: but also too is you know winning a sectional for a lot of schools when it was just you know one winner one winner takes all uh it, it is a huge was it was and is a huge deal
1: well, it was and we as a as a junior we lost in the title game 39 to 34 against waterloo indiana and, well, I i always, always hated that loss and so on but over the years I've met with some of those wildland guys, and it was so great because they was only sectional they ever won. So they're happy. So it's all right in the long run.
0: What were some of your favorite gyms? I mean, uh, back in the, back in that day, um, did you guys travel a lot? Were most of the high schools in the area that you played, and w- were their favorite gyms that you like to go and play, or did you have favorite uh, road trips that you guys would take?
1: Well, our schedule was. 10 home games and 10 away we didn't play anybody twice because there were lots of teams Uh, most of the gyms our gym was one of the better ones so uh, we liked to play at home of course because we had a good good advantage in fact when I was a senior New Haven came came in and beat us by 3 points and we'd won 50 home games in a row that was devastating I blame it all on the officials of course not us <laughs> uh, but yeah there weren't too many new gyms they were pretty much like ours and new gyms started coming in after you know, maybe 63, 64, 69 when when all the consolidations finally were, were taking place We'd, we went away as far as Napne, which was a long trip for us about 50 or 60 miles we didn't have a school bus we went with the coaches the head the head coach drove and the starters went with him and and then everybody else got in cars i remember our coach had a 1959 ford hideaway hardtop convertible and we always thought that was about the best thing you could have
0: did you, While you were in high school, or, or uh, as a little guy also, before getting to high school, did you follow college basketball? Did you have a favorite college basketball team that you
1: followed? Well, not too much because TV was not <clears throat> as prevalent as it is today. There was a, On ABC, they would have a Saturday afternoon game. About one game is all you could see. Of course, we liked IU and Purdue, but we were not close to either one of them. And there were not teams, you know, around us that we could go see. Although it did every once in a while, Notre Dame would come down to the Fort Wayne Coliseum and have a a game against either IU or Purdue, and uh, we'd pack that place. And we could watch go watch the Pistons. They were still in Fort Wayne, but that that was cost big money and a drive down to Fort Wayne, which is you know twenty miles. Things were different today.
0: What was what was that like watching professional basketball back then?
1: Oh, it was great. <clears throat> George Yardley and Bob eggs and Slater Martin of the the Hawks. They were they were huge guys to us, and they were like six eight and six nine, not like the behemoths we have today. So
0: was Rick Reeves good enough that uh, uh, colleges come knocking on your door to play basketball?
1: Well, obviously not <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I, here Here's the best story. <laughs> uh, when I was a junior, we had a student teacher guy come in from Ball State, and he student taught at the high school, and he helped out our basketball coach as a volunteer. And he and I kind of became friends. He was hired then as a teacher the next year at Garrett High School. And we became even closer friends. He became the freshman coach. And uh, after the season was over, uh, Garrett was beginning to start some kind of a baseball team for high school kids. And he was going to run a summer program and be the coach I would assume it would be the forerunner of Colt League or uh, Pony League. I was too old to play. And he asked me if I would help him coach in the summer. And I said, yeah, I'd I'd be glad to do that. So he kept asking me, you know, those important questions like, what are you gonna do for the rest of your life? And I said, I don't know what I'm gonna do. He said, you ought to go to college. I said, well, I don't know if I'm smart enough to go. I don't know if my parents have enough money. haven't thought too much about it. I might just join the Army. He said, no, you're going to college. So unbeknownst to me, he was in contact with my parents, trying to get them to make a commitment, trying to tell them that he went to school on nothing. They could, too, or I could, too. So one day after our practice at Baseball, he says, hey, and we're talking about last of July first of August. He said, hey, I'm going down to Ball State tomorrow afternoon. Why don't you go with me and we'll just look over the campus? I said, okay. I really didn't know where Ball State was, <laughs> and that was a hundred miles away. So we went down there, <clears throat> and he did his little business because he was getting his master's degree. He's from Huntertown, which is about. 12 miles from us and smaller than we were so he said if I can make it you can make it so we'd go over and he introduced me to the coach at Ball State Jim Hinga former coach at Fort Wayne Northside and um, Hinga said well yeah we'd like to have you come down here you can be a walk-on I had never heard the term walk-on and I thought well that's pretty good I got the team made already (laughs) So later I find out there's, you know, like 40 of us, quote, walk-ons. So Bill Schaefer, that's my buddy, the teacher guy, he said, okay, let's go over and see if we can get you enrolled. I said, okay. That's when he told me, he said, I talked to your parents and they said they could afford to send you to Ball State. So we go over to the administration building and go in and talk to the enrollment person and they said, well, you know, you are automatically eligible since you're a graduate of a certified high school in Indiana or we don't have any room for you and Bill said well why not well we don't have any approved housing that's a good old term approved housing you know you had to be you had to live in the dorm or a approved place off campus and they were full he said now if you find a place we'd be glad to have you so we went to the housing office and talked to that guy and told him our story. He said, well, I don't have any more. And so Bill played his trump card and said, well, we just got back from talking to Coach Henga and he wants you to be on the freshman team. The guy said, oh, why didn't you tell me that? And he reached in his drawer and he pulled out, here's an extra set of housing places you can go look. Go look. So boom, I went out, found one, came back 30 minutes later and I was enrolled in Ball State it was as simple as that, and as they say, the rest is history. So,
0: so once you got to Ball State, did you? Were you homesick? Were you nervous? Did it? Uh, <laughs> did Did you catch on to it pretty quick? And a lot of great basketball minds went through Ball State.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know I was. No, <laughs> I was not homesick <clears throat> I'm a guy I'm a guy that likes to go out and meet people uh, two of my high school buddies went there so we had a threesome and we had people to, to talk to <clears throat> and uh, uh, I met some guys who went out for freshman basketball I was shocked you know we had a 6am practice <laughs> little did I know that's how they weed you out run 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 push ups sit ups jumps tips this that and the other to see how many guys would just fall off the path and i would my buddy and i from fort Wayne concordia we weren't gonna quit so we just kept working and working and they had a cut and they had another cut then they had another cut and they got down there's like 30 of us left And they said they were going to keep 18 so we're sitting in his dorm room counting well he's pretty good we're better than this guy you know how you do the game and so we thought we had a pretty good chance. So then they, after about, I don't know, two weeks of practice, they said, well, we're gonna post the, the names over on the gym wall. So we get up early, go over and look at the, the list and we, we go down with our finger in one row and back up the other row and didn't see our name. So we started the other way and went up and down. And I said, I don't think we made it, Tom. He said, I don't either. So we're looking at the names that made it, and we said, nah, he's not any good. We're better than that guy. Well, we later find out most of those guys already are on some kind of a partial scholarship, and they're all from pretty good size, you know, like Indianapolis High Schools, Fort Wayne High Schools, South Bend High Schools, and not too many of them from Piddly Poo and Piddly D, which was Garrett. Except one guy that I came to know well, my fraternity brother, Jack Kiefer, made the team. You know, the the coach at Lawrence North. Right. He was pretty good. But he was a hurdler and an athlete. I wouldn't say I was a hurdler nor an athlete. But yes, it was a good time. Enjoyed it. Through my phys ed classes and coaching classes I met a lot of these guys who were very successful. You know, Basil Moby was in there, Jack Keeper. Well, just a lot of guys I'd do it again
0: so so at what point at Ball State did you say at what point did you decide to take a major in history and when did you think hey,
1: I'd like to coach from day one <laughs> I was a phys ed major with a history minor and uh, just liked it you know, it was comfortable for me. And when you're around a lot of like minded people, you have a lot of friends and played in real basketball and, and I went to every home game and some of us would drive to some away games and you know, it was a great experience and, and a student taught, went back to Garrett, taught for my high school coach and ed in the afternoon and another history teacher I enjoyed half a day in the morning so I stayed at the gym after school after working with Ward Smith, my coach, and helped, helped him with the team and uh, just a great a great deal
0: While you were at Ball State, what was Ball State basketball like?
1: Competitive, but not awesome uh, we had a big center named Ed Butler, a big kid from uh, South Bend Adams who could jump through the roof. And uh, and uh, Ron Galloway and Keith Hinchin and Bob Hetty, who was a very successful high school coach in Indiana, and so was his son, Scott Hetty, And um, a couple guys who played at Muncie Central. Of course, you know, to me, Muncie Central was just a name But then I got down there and I went in the gym a few times and, you know, it was like the Mecca for Muncie, Muncie Central. Sadly, just saw the other day that their gym had a uh, collapse, so they don't have enough money to fix it. Muncie's in bad shape financially, so they're probably going to just take the insurance money and tear it down. So... Well, that's it for that subject. Keep
0: going. <laughs> oh, so so at so at times while you were at Ball State, and and I'm not I'm not being this is not a this is not a mean question, but would there be times where Muncie Central would pull more people than Ball State would pull to watch a college game?
1: Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would say, and while I was at Ball State, we had uh, three different gymnasiums. And uh, each one got bigger and bigger. The crowds got bigger, but still it was, you know, very sell a sellout. We might have a sellout when we played Butler, Big Jeff Blue, and some of those guys. Or when Evansville came to town. Evansville with, you know, Buster Briley and um, what's his name, Jerry Sloan, came out in their big capes. Looked like they were out of a Batman movie. <laughs> But boy, could they play ball and could they set screens. The Humes brothers, Bugsy and whatever the other one's name. Uh, and we used to go to basketball games in the community. You know, we'd go to watch Burris play, which was, you know, a, a local school there. A, a Meg, well, I, today it's a Megan school, but it was right on campus, so we could go over there real, real easy. That, of course, we won't let that interfere with our studying. You know that, of course.
0: What was, your, what was your first visit to Hinkle like?
1: First visit to Hinkle was in uh, when I was a junior. Our um, tradition at Garrett was, if you lettered, uh, the coach would take the team down to the state finals. If you were a senior letterman, you would go on Friday night and stay at the Claypool Hotel. Well, hell, for some of us, that's the first hotel we ever stayed in. And then the word came back that if you went on Friday night, the place to go was the Fox Theater. And so uh, every, every boy that had a leather jacket was in the Fox Theater, you're supposed to be 18 or 21 to get in. And then um, if you went on Saturday, you heard the word from the guys who were there overnight, we're going to go to Fox again in between games. Come with us. We'll show you the ropes. And so, you know, it was a vaudeville theater, so it was funny. And so a lot of guys you knew, and we talked about it for years. And In fact, about 15 years ago, one of my high school buddies called me who was an attorney then and in NNAP an and said, Rick, you never guess where I am. I said, where are you, Tom? He said... Me and a thousand other guys standing out here, who are middle-aged, watching them tear down the Fox Theater. We all have tears in our eyes. Do you know what the Fox Theater was, Billy? What was it? It had uh, strippers, vaudeville <laughs> strippers.
0: <laughs> and where was that? Where was that located?
1: Uh, right next to the Claypool Hotel, downtown Indy.
0: Very interesting
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's fun When you ask anybody my age About the Fox Theater They'll just grin and say Yeah, I was there Were you there? Yeah, we were there <laughs> Part of our, the right of growing up And maybe we never did
0: so, so what were your aspirations once you graduated from Ball State? I know you head back to, to Garrett. Did you uh, did you have a mindset of uh, you wanted to stay in coaching? I mean, how hard was it to uh, uh, go out? Did you put your Did you uh, apply at several different places? I mean, I mean, what was that like? And and how did you get to Michigan?
1: Yes, I wanted to coach and uh, set out sent out several applications and got some interviews. Uh, Didn't get any jobs, any coaching jobs or any jobs and then a friend of mine called me and said, hey they're looking for some people to teach at Marion, Indiana and my dad works there as a guidance counselor and he said he'd uh, recommend you. So I went down maybe this was This was just just close to graduation in May. Went down and I got two interviews. I interviewed with the Marion High School schools and with the VA hospital in Marion. They were looking for somebody to direct their uh, physical education programs and recreation programs at the the VA hospital. So I went there first and they offered me a job, $5,200 and I would get uh, two weeks off in the summer. So I go to Marion in the afternoon for an interview and they offer me fifty six fifty. And I'm gonna get, you know, two weeks of Christmas, a week of spring break, all summer off, and a possibility of coaching. They wouldn't guarantee anything. I said, Okay, I signed on the dotted line, I won the job. I wanted to make sure i get into teaching and coaching would come. Didn't have any coaching jobs. I volunteered to help a guy who was a freshman coach for two years. Ironically, I taught on the same floor as Jack Colescott up in social studies half a day. Got to meet him. Still a friend of mine. But they just, guys weren't leaving. Especially to a place like Marion. Plus, they had, they had you know, 300 teachers on staff so there's lots to pick from so then another fraternity brother called me in, in my second year and said hey why don't you come up here to East Noble that's in Kendaville he said uh, there's a couple basketball jobs open I know the AD he said and we're going to start a, a soccer boys soccer program and I want you to be my assistant well, I had played soccer at Ball State as a mural and gone up and helped him because he then graduated and became the soccer coach at St. Francis. So I would go up and play soccer with the boys on the weekend. So I go to Kenderville. I get the job on freshman coach at at the middle school. And then he and I start the soccer program in uh, August. It's the first boys soccer program in Northeastern Indiana. And we get started, and the AD comes to see us about a week later, and he said, well, how you guys doing? I said, well, we've got uh, seven guys out here, and we're hoping to get some more this next week. He said, well, okay, I'll be back. So the next week he comes back and said, well, boys, how many you got now? And I knew he already knew. I said, well, we've got ten out here, and one guy has been here a couple of days, but he's not here today, and he said, well, you have a game coming up in a week. I'm going to come back Monday, and if you don't have 15 guys, we're going to scuttle the program. And we said, oh, gosh. He we said, well, you know, if you don't if you have 10 or 11, you can't even play. We said, all right. So he comes back, and by that time, we're down to eight. He said, okay, Mike, that's the other guy, Mike Frick, who was teaching at a Villa, one of the other schools in, in the corporation, you're going to help the cross country. Rick, you're going to help with junior high football. I said, well, can we keep the cleats you gave us for soccer? You know, <laughs> paid for them in the jacket? Yep. Okay. So I became a junior high. You know, there were five of us, four or five of us. But there was a junior high where I was teaching in the middle school, you know. So it worked out fine. Coached there, Russian basketball for Five and junior high football for three years and then I became the co head freshman football coach with another guy. So in the meantime I'd gotten married and just had our second son. I lived right across the street from school and went home and had a, a letter from my buddy, a buddy another mine who was living and teaching up in Reed City, Michigan. He said and he had been at Kinderville, been the eighth grade coach. He said, why don't you come up here? I said, well, oh, geez, I don't know. He said, well, I'll tell you what. You make $3,000 more, and we have fully paid health insurance for family. Of course, now i got two kids. We had no insurance at East Noble. Not Didn't pay a single dime for insurance, you know, for group insurance. So I said, well, we'll come up and take a look. We we grew up there and decided we'd. My wife said oh, it's okay with me, so we moved up there. And it was a JV coach. and I stayed there uh, seven years as JV, and then got the varsity job, and stayed there four more years. And then that's when that had. To, I told you they had a millage type deal where they vote for money to run the school, and uh, the local people in town voted for it, but the outlying Community, like three small towns, said no. We don't want to do that. You guys make too much money. You have carpeting in your classrooms, <laughs> and you have TVs. <laughs> so, so uh, the school board said, okay, we'll uh, we'll cut a half a million dollars out of our budget, and so to do that, we're going to just not have any more extracurricular activities. So that was the end of my coaching days there, possibly, which I could have lived with because I thought maybe they might take it back. It could go back every three months and have another election, but maybe there wouldn't be pressure on them. But by that time, you know, my son was gonna be a freshman and my other son was gonna be in the fifth grade and I wanted them to have the opportunity to play basketball and football so we decided to come back to Indiana and uh, that's when Jack Keeper entered the picture again and got me lined up with some job interviews and thought I had the one at Westfield and then somehow that didn't happen and then boom late in the summer comes this job at West Lafayette which I took and glad I did because I'm still here and love it here in West Lafayette.
0: Tell everybody, let everybody know a little bit about how high school basketball was played in the state of Michigan.
1: Certainly not the emphasis that we had and I was used to in Indiana. Uh, It was a class system and still is. When, When I was there, it was four classes, A, B, C, and D. A being the big boys and D being the little guys and we were a C school upper C which would be about like a 3-8 here in Indiana and they played on Tuesday and Friday nights which was different Uh, we played everybody in our conference twice, home and home so you didn't see all the other 10 10 or 15 other teams, you usually play in a season you just saw these 8 teams and Then we played two or three other people more, home and home. I mean, had some good rivalries. Uh, And up in Michigan, we had a lot more snow than we had in Indiana. I was at Reed City, which is about five hours north of uh, West Lafayette. It's an hour north of Grand Rapids, about two hours south of the bridge, Mackinac Bridge. You have to learn your Michigan terms, the bridge, the UP you and things like that and the conference was very uh even we were an average size school and we we won the conference quite a few times and then the the sectionals or the districts that's they were called instead of sectionals were moved around you you bid for them and then somebody somewhere waved the magic wand and said okay you get the district this year or you got to go here sometimes you went 60 70 80 miles away to find teams of your size just like we do in indiana now when you have crazy sectionals and um, a couple nights on tuesday we'd go to traverse city to play traverse city st francis which was like 90 miles get home at one o'clock and two o'clock in the morning after a uh, harrowing bus ride home through snow you couldn't see what was going on it was uh, it was different exciting our little town was all into basketball so we had great fan support and uh, i had uh, seven good years there
0: during those seven years that you were there in michigan did you were you continually were you try were you happy where you were at or were you trying to get back to indiana
1: we were pretty happy where we were, and um, we had a, a good staff of young teachers like myself and my wife were, and uh, we had parties, and our kids grew up together, and they played tee ball and and mini basketball, and you know it was it was fun, and we enjoyed it. It was just when they said we weren't going to have any more sports that we decided come back to Indiana. Plus, our parents lived back here, and they could see our grandkids a little easier. And uh, that's when we made the move. I I guess the only mistake that you
0: made while you were in Michigan was thinking that a certain player would be a flash in the pan that you you watched?
1: Yes. (laughs) So you want the story on Magic Johnson, don't you?
0: Yes, I do. (laughs) Yes, I do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well... As coaches, you know you always—if you're not playing state finals, and usually you're not—you go down to the games. Uh, the difference was in Indiana, you took your players. In Michigan, players had no desire, most of them, to dra- travel five hours down to Ann Arbor to see the state finals. They were in snowmobiling. I got a deer hunting story for you too, and other things, different different uh, pastimes in Michigan so Lansing Eastern with Magic Johnson is playing in the state finals and I'm sitting down there with a couple of my coaching friends from from Reed City and uh, we're talking about this phenom named Irvin Johnson here he comes on the floor and he's the number one player and this that and the other and so they're always asking me, Well, what do you think, Mr Indiana guy? Do you know anything about basketball? Is he any good about this guy, this guy, this guy? And I said, Well, let me watch him play and so at halftime I made my decision and said, Well, he's a flash in the fan. <laughs> he's uh he's tall, skinny, he jumps center and then when they get the ball, he's the point guard. But the first thing he does is he passes to a wing and cuts down and posts up, and they throw it into him. And a guy guarding is five foot seven, and he turns around and lays it in. I said, Any bozo can do that. <laughs> and, and I said, He'll never mount to a dam. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to this day, when I see one of them, he'll bring that up and just laugh his crazy head off. So sometimes you make a mistake. <laughs>
0: And, and also, you, there was another story that we chatted about a little bit that uh, uh, that I found very interesting uh, when, when we were preparing for this interview was uh, 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 about a uh, future basketball coach that you got to uh, uh, meet. And, um, you know, uh, of course, I'm call, talking about Coach Izzo. Can you tell that story also?
1: Oh, yeah, that, that's a good one. Well, when I was at Reed City, I was still JV coach. It was 1980. Our varsity team was undefeated and had only lost a couple games at, when they were juniors and we, we had a good bunch of players and we had uh, looked like we were going to win our regional which was going to be on a Friday night and then our regional winner was set up already to play the winner out of the Upper Peninsula and the UP would have their two day games we played ours Wednesday and Friday night and they, they would play theirs two games on Saturday because of such a long distance in the UP, the teams traveling and the weather. So we had planned maybe to drive up to St. Ignace, which is the first little town across the Mackinac Bridge and rent a motel room and through the magic of television and cable TV, which they had up there, And we had a guy in town who had a newfangled device called a VCR, and he could tape the game, and then we could bring it back off the TV and scout with it for the next two or three days until we played the winner out of the UP. So that was a great plan, and we were going to drive up. Then sometime in the week of the regional, hadn't won it yet but we thought we would my principal comes to me and says hey Reeves one of the local guys at the Reed City Tool and Dyes said that uh, the owner would uh, take us up in his private plane fly us up to Marquette Michigan we wouldn't have to drive up and stay in a hotel and tape that off a team we'll just fly up and watch it at Northern Michigan where they were holding these events I said, oh, sounds good. So the coach and I decided we would go. And then a couple of days later, the principal comes down to the boat, you have got to sign this uh, waiver that says that if the plane crashes, and since this is not a supervised or a, an authorized trip, you will hold us, you will not hold us liable course, I said oh no problem there I signed that puppy go home tell my wife she has a crazy fit says you fool you've got a wife and two kids and you're flying up to see a stupid ball game because what what made it even more dangerous was that uh, we were going to fly kitty corner across the corner of Lake Michigan over to the Wisconsin side where Marquette Michigan is located up in the far reaches of the Upper Peninsula. And the pilot had told the principal and everybody that there would be a 30-minute time out there in the middle of the lake where if the single-engine Piper Cub we were flying had a malfunction, it couldn't glide back to either side in 30 minutes. They would crash into the lake, which was icebound, and we would probably freeze and die. <laughs> so we get on the plane, we're taken off, and I tell the pilot, I said, just for my own safety's sake, peace of mind, don't tell me when we're in that 30-minute Netherland. Tell me when we've passed it and we're safe. So we did, and we made it up there. So we land at Marquette, and this, this uh, little car comes up, a station wagon with northern Michigan athletics on it, as I said, green or black lettering. And out steps this little guy with a Northern Michigan jacket on. Comes over and says, I'm graduate assistant Tom Izzo. My job is to pick you guys up and take you over to the gym at Northern and uh, take care of you all day and then at night when the games are over, bring you back and put you on board your plane. No problem. Well, the name Tom Izzo just went in the back of my mind and didn't think about it too much until boom a few years later maybe 10 years later he's now going to become new head coach at, at Michigan State by that time I'm down here at Purdue and a few years later then I'm on the bench working the score bench crew which is my 18th season right now keep track of substitutions for the Purdue men's basketball and so we're always out there we have to be there an hour ahead of time and then most Big Ten coaches never show their face until two minutes before tip off when they come out and shake hands with the other coach and go back and introduce them the game starts except for Tom Izzo he comes out and watches his own team shoot around uh, talks to people so about the second year he saw him doing this I said I'm going I'm going to talk to him you know so I said, Coach, can I talk to you? Yeah. yeah. So we sat down on the bench and I told him the whole story and he said, Well, I'm sorry, Coach, I don't remember you, but I probably met, you know, three thousand people. That was my job <laughs> that go drive to the airport. And uh, it was just it was fun and each each time he goes by he'll give me a thumbs up. And uh, he's done very well for himself. He and his buddy Mariucci who was you know the coach of the 49ers they were high school buddies there at uh, some high school up there probably right there in Marquette I'm not sure but that's a good story so like
0: so so you're back in Indiana uh, are you excited are you uh, are are you nervous about uh, the coaching job you take and, and tell us about uh, 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 your your time period at West Lafayette
1: oh very excited Also very nervous, and we had been very successful up there, and uh, coming back here, the teams had not been that successful. We're back in, you know, no, I don't, I want to say no class basketball, but a single class, you know, just like it used to be. And I knew that our section was over at Lafayette Jeff, which is a high school of about twenty five hundred, and we had maybe six hundred in high school, so chances are. We'd only won uh, one sectional in the past like 25 years, and, and only won one regional ever in our history. But you know, I was glad to be back. Good to be in a college town. My kids are going to go. To the West West Side's a very good high school. My kids would like it here. My wife was like here. She had a job already, so we were happy. And then. You know, as the season started, we, we lost a bunch of games. Uh, in our first year, we we were close, but no cigar. Those teams, you know, you have that you get down to the last four minutes and you're down uh, eight points. And then you start doing things. You try to get back and either get back or you go down 18 points. And so we finished three and 18, which was dismal. Won a couple games in our conference. Got beat in the sectional. But it was fun. Each year we got a little better and then finally in eighty nine or in eighty eight we won sixteen games, we got beat in the sectional final. The next year we we won the sectional, won the regional, only the second regional in the history of our school played over at Mackey Arena in the semi state against a little consolidation of gary or East Chicago Roosevelt and East Chicago Washington which had been two powers in the old days, had won several championships between them, and now they're East Chicago Central. And we get them. And uh, we lost by five in a very you know, good ball game. And then Kokomo with Basil Moby uh, beats them in the M&E game. Basil goes to the state finals and gets beat by Lawrence North, Jack Keeper, another ball state guy. So things were good. I coached another six years and then, as I told you once before, we were having another dismal season. It was colder than bejeebers. <laughs> my granddaughter had just been born. We're, we're, we're uh, on a bus up to Rensselaer. I'll be nice. And uh, and uh, my wife had asked me how long I was going to coach. Was I going to die on the bench? Well, I just gave it up sometime, and we could have some time together, so... I agreed with her, so we did, and uh, so I resigned after the season, I retired both, stayed on and uh, coached and taught until May of 2006, retired after 40 years, 26 in coaching and 38 years of driver education, hence I have no hair, no no nerves, <laughs> and uh, life's been good. How did you get
0: involved with Purdue
1: basketball? Well, a good part of being at West Lafayette, which is only you know, two nine irons and a wedge away from Mackey Arena, across the street, uh, some of the uh, coaching staff had worked over there part-time at different jobs for many years. Plus, Bob DeMoss, who was a former football coach who just passed away, was my neighbor two doors away and I was friendly with him and knew him and then an opening came over and the, the boys on the score bench were two or three west side former coaches including the guy I replaced they said hey we're going to have a new rule coming in next year and they need somebody else in the score bench to keep track of substitutions because the uh, scorekeeper would need a three point rule the new timeouts and all this stuff, it's just too much to handle. You interested? And I said, you betcha. So that was, I think, in the year 2000, 2001 season. So I just went over there, and they told me to keep track of subs, and I said, well, how do you want me to do it? And they said, we don't care. <laughs> just so when the ref comes over and wants to know who's in the ball game, he'll tell him. So I made up my own score sheet, you know, timeouts and so on. I kept, I keep a bunch of things as a backup to the scorekeeper, and it's just worked out well. We have to be over there an hour ahead of the game, and, and you know, wear a vest and get to sit on the front row now in downtown Mackey. So it's really neat. I, I love it.
0: Do you have a favorite story of uh, all the years that you've been doing that at Purdue?
1: Well, let's see. I guess not, because I can't think of any one thing. we had so many great <laughs> games. <laughs> so many great games. I've seen some great players. And, uh, uh, you, know, you know, it was just within reaching distance of Bobby Knight and Gene Cady yelling at each other. And then Tommy Crean walking back and forth, going crazy. And uh, oh, the worst part was... Uh, some of these coaches who would sub five guys at a time (laughs) offense and defense. You know, like the old days of Tom Davis out at uh, Iowa. Right. A nightmare for for me. (laughs) (laughs) And some great officials over the years, you know, they would come over and say, well, I think we blew that one, boys. Can you help me out? (laughs) So, you know, and we get to go in and talk to the officials an hour before the game. They ask us, Have you had any problems with the scoring and the clock and the, uh, you know, the the pack, the battery packs that the referees wear when they blow the whistle? And what about this? What about that? And then we tell them anything we've had, and then they tell us something that they've had. The funniest one was when the guy said, well, you you heard last week up at Northwestern, I believe it was, where we played the whole first half using a women's ball. And we said, we heard that. Who was that? And the guy said, it was me. <laughs> he said, you know, before the game, they have a ball in there, and they asked, uh, they always ask us. I don't know what they do at other gyms, but the ball's on the table there, and we talk to them. And they say, check this ball out and bounce it. What do you think? And we look at it and say, it's fine. And so evidently somebody dropped the ball somewhere, and uh, so they just caught grief over it they don't think they got suspended or anything like that but it, it was funny they do have some good stories coach what do
0: you think of the state of indiana high school basketball today will it will it will it ever challenge what it used to be is, is it is it what it is uh what do you think about it
1: well uh as a person who grew up in the old system, I don't think there will ever be that much focus on basketball for a, a, a bunch of reasons. One of them being number one, we have class basketball. Number two, when we have girls basketball, number three, we have a Z and other sports we'd never used to have when you just had football, basketball and track just for boys. Uh, the small town days are gone because now small towns send their kids to you know, a big consolidated school out in the middle of a farm, farmer's field somewhere. Also, kids today are getting jobs. They're working. They're working. They're playing on their devices. They're doing other things. And basketball is not the be-all it used to be. no. The quality of basketball is still pretty good with all the kids going to summer camps and uh, advances in equipment and so on. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. I guess that's what you said, didn't you? And,
0: and what do you think of the college game today since you've been around it for so long? You said that this was your 18th season?
1: Yes. Oh, I. It. Uh, it's so... Uh, predictable you know you, you try to get a seven footer or two to block everything in the middle and, and get three guys out front who can dribble and shoot and pass it around and and then drain threes and hope your big boys can rebound and if you don't have that combination then you just work it around work it around until the shot clock's ready to go off and take the best shot you can uh, there's you know a lot of situational stuff a lot of coaching going on but again it is what it is and I'm happy to be a part of it so I still go to high school games or West Side games I go to and uh, see these college games and watch some pro on TV but it's just not the same
0: so you know, you know, your wife would would give you, you know, to get you to retire and let you know all these things. You know, are you gonna die on the bench? What was what was her attitude like when you said, well, I'm gonna go start doing this at Purdue University?
1: Oh, she didn't mind. She knows <laughs> I love basketball. Right. And it gets me out of the house. <laughs> so uh,
0: besides Purdue basketball, what does uh, Coach Reeves do in his uh, retirement?
1: Well, in the summer, well, like from April to October, I work another part-time gig of the Purdue golf course as a ranger. I work one day a week on Wednesdays for anywhere from four to six hours and drive around and boss people around about following the rules of golf. (laughs) And for that lovely job, I get to play golf for free at the Purdue golf course and Purdue Golf Course is very nice the Boilermaker gom- Complex has two championship courses that you, cost, you walk in off the street cost costs you $89 to play so I enjoy that job a lot so I just play golf mow my yard and, and talk basketball anybody will listen to me
0: you know, being a coach for as long as you you coached basketball both in Michigan and in the state of Indiana, do you find it kind of uh, do you is it is it kind of hard for you sometimes when you're uh, doing what you're doing at the uh, Boilermaker games? Uh, do you find yourself kind of coaching in your head?
1: Oh yes, all the time. And uh, you, have to, you have to when you're on the bench where our, our job is to do your job and keep your mouth shut <laughs> and keep your opinions to yourself and not show any emotion because you know you don't want to show any bias but you know we talk talk among ourselves about the game and players and coaches and go to high school games with a couple of high school coaching buddies and we we talk and then we just say well good thing is we're going home at halftime because this game sucks and I wouldn't want to coach either one of these teams so <laughs> We, we we have lunch two or three times a week and talk over the same stuff and have a great time.
0: Uh, tell us a little bit about your kids and what uh, what do they do?
1: Oh, well, my oldest son is Nate. Graduated high school in '88. Went to Ball State. Called us one night and said he dropped out of school and joined the Marine Corps right right before all the stuff over in the Middle East. So fortunate for me and. Suzette, my wife. That first Gulf War was over in six weeks. Before he was at a boot camp, so he served four years in the Marines, came back, graduated from Purdue, and now uh, has had several jobs. and He's working in the railroad industry, and has just, in fact, moved to Valparaiso in the past couple weeks. and He's kind of like a train master. He's in the uh, management side, running the trains from a computer up in an office. Uh, his daughter graduated from Purdue, and he's got another daughter that's 12. He's in the sixth grade. And then uh, my youngest son, Ross, graduated from Vincent's Junior College, has worked several jobs, and uh, now he's uh, married at age 39. He got married a few years ago, and he and his wife live in uh, minneapolis area and he is a stay-at-home dad and has a beautiful little four-year-old granddaughter which will be here on friday so we're happy and they're all happy
0: well i normally i normally try to keep it about 45 minutes to an hour uh, I, I apologize for going long i think everybody's going to enjoy this coach rick reeves thank you so much for helping to keep the nostalgia alive and uh share your memories of the great game of basketball in the state of indiana and of course michigan and then back
1: Well, thanks, and I'm glad that we got together, and I'm glad I found a good home for all those magazines I sent you.
0: Oh, yes, I got them. But there is nothing like, uh, I got to tell you a a quick story. Uh, uh, Richard Gill, who went to Montezuma High School in Indiana and uh, coached a little bit in Indiana and moved down to Atlanta, he uh, it was kind of a situation like you. He uh, let me know. He said, look, I've got about a 1,000 videotapes, with like three basketball <laughs> games on each tape, would you like what would would you like them? so you know uh, I would come home one day and I've got about six boxes of VHS tapes, huge boxes of VHS tapes sitting outside on the patio, and my wife just kind of looks at me and goes. Oh my God! So uh, I told her, I said, I told her, I said, well, Coach Rick Reeves from Indiana's uh, uh, got all these Indiana um, uh, Hoosier basketball magazines and a bunch of stuff that he's cleaning out, and he's gonna send me some stuff. She goes, it's not six boxes, is it? So, but I've really got great stuff. I'm, I'm very passionate for the game, and uh, I, I love doing this stuff, and it's, a, it's very fun for me.
1: Well, when you come back to Indiana, let me know, and we'll get together. Okay, thank you so much.